Uh, one of the things that I think um, that was most significant about this process that Kevin did mention was once the, the pro days got shut down, we almost immediately started our meetings. And so there was never a sense or a feeling of being rushed through the developmental process. And uh, we were able to adjust to unusual circumstances with a significant amount of time uh, that Kevin allowed it for, for the meeting element of the process. So um, we're thankful for that. And it's been a good process. <laughs>Welcome to NFL Mock Draft Week Preview as we are less than four days away as we will wait for the Steelers' first overall pick in the second round at number 49 as this year they will not be having a draft pick. As a reminder, as they have not had in forever, it seems like, and they went a lot of years. And you, you think about the compensation they did to get for a guy like Mika Fitzpatrick, like I just saw a reference here, first time the Steelers are going without a number one overall uh, pick in the entirety other franchise. When you look at it, as far as their history, you have to go all the way back. You have to go all the way back in the late 1960s to be exact. And that year was 1967. And this was well before two years before Chuck Noll came on board. And you had the guys like the draft of like Mean Joe Green. And of course, your number one overall pick in Terry Bradshaw back in 1970. Which, by the way, who there was 14 quarterbacks in that draft class. We're going to get into a little interesting story that I just shared on my uh, Mastiel uh, podcast page earlier today. I don't know if any of you guys got a chance to see it, but make, make, feel free to check it out when you get a second. If you guys want to uh, leave me with any questions, phone calls, or text messages throughout the podcast, please feel free to dial or text in the number. If you guys want to reach me directly during this time, it is 312 2232. Again, that is 312 209 2232. You can also follow me on Twitter at Prodigy Richie, at Mass Steel, CJR, at Instagram at Prodigy Richie, at Mass Steel Nation, at Ondexcsr, my YouTube channel, which I'm streaming off live on right now, which is Mass Steel Podcast. 
And then following these shows of my Master Steel podcast and, of course, my on deck on ChicagolandSportsRadio.com podcast, which I also host on Saturdays 1 to 2 p.m., you guys can look me up on Mixcloud by searching Charles Pride's Richie. Then I'm also on Anchor and Spotify. You can see the link right here in the live video. You guys want to feel free to check that out. Please feel free. Like I said, Spotify is one of the big platforms as well as uh, Google Podcasts. So I'm making my way little by little. Hope everybody have a real good weekend, first and foremost, by the way. Happy belated 39th birthday to Troy Palomalu yesterday, uh, who actually turns 39 years old. And for a guy like him, I mean, just uh, so happy. It made my year to see not only him, but, of course, my coach, my favorite coach of all time, aside from Mike Tomlin, Bill Cowher, going into the Hall of Fame. And, then, of course, you got 1970s Dye Schultz. But a lot of lady looks so far. For the Steelers, despite not having a playoff berth, but they got those little decorations right there to uh, rest highly on as we uh, get into it. Like I said, it's definitely going to feel a little awkward for everybody, no no doubt about it, but I mean, as the world goes on. There's been a lot of speculation right now, too, and more particular right now, as far as what the Steelers do with their first pick which is at number two in the draft. Obviously, I mean, you got some gaping concerns right now with running game you have not had with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, thought that was going to be James Conner for a little bit, I mean, when you saw him laying it up in 2018. But then again, when you see where everything has, where the Steelers found themselves at, and overall, all the stuff that they led to get there, I mean, they're pretty uh, – much uh, confident with uh, where they're going here. I mean, like I said, I mean, you even saw Mike Tomlin, who uh, actually, according to Missy Matthews, the Steelers uh, report, who we followed at Missy underscore Matthews. I mean, one of the biggest things, I mean, well, when you look at, I mean, he, he was definitely a gift, like, come early right there. They already pretty much got their first-round pick early and with a guy like Mika Fitzpatrick has been paying dividends. I mean, you can obviously see that and it helped a lot in the, in the takeaway department for scores this past year. I mean, which you have not had in a long time. And the question just still continues to resume if there's going to even be a season. And when Ben Roethlisberger, if he's able to come back healthy and work his way for some of the rust off his off him when he does come back. How's he going to be around this offense when he does return? Are we going to still see a guy like Andrew Filippone of 93.7 The Fan, who is the host of the Pony and Miller show? You can hear them every uh, week. They're on from 2 to 4 p.m. on 93.7 The Fan. No, 2 to 6, excuse me. But you hear him saying, I mean, one of the things, too, when you look at a guy like Ben Rosberg, I mean, one of the interesting points he was mentioning, I was listening to him yesterday, is Ben Rosberg, when he comes back, is he going to see this uh, talent that he's got on the field, like the, the defense, see how special they are clicking right now and all soldiers being shut down, and also some of the unique features on offense. Is he going to have to worry about putting a lot more pressure on him? Is he going to have to – try and become Superman, or is he going to be that Clark Kent guy where he's going to ride and play a little bit laid back, play smarter team football? That's still one of the biggest questions. 
I, I just wonder because the biggest thing you got to look at, too, we may not even still have an NFL season for all it's worth. Uh, my, my only concern is just think if the whole season does get wiped out. You may have the possibility right now that Ben Rosberg, he won't be back until tw- 2021. And the interesting thing about that, he is signed for the 2021 season. And do the Steelers even dare entertaining, probably like trying to extend the guy for another year with this COVID-19 virus pandemic? I mean, that is some really uh, harsh decisions. I mean, it's stuff they got to look in the mirror right now. I mean, a year ago, right around this time at the draft, they he signed his extension. I mean, for the Steelers a year ago, last April. And for this year, he's going to be carrying a captive $23.75 million. That's going to be... That's going to be the Steelers are going to be uh, accountable for. Now, of course, you got next season. The cap does lower a little bit as he's going to be. Well, no, no, excuse me. The dead cap will lower. But as far as like the cap hit for next year, it'll be at $41.26 million. I, 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 just, I just wonder like how that pans itself out and how people got to look at that in the mirror. And then not only that too. And then you also got a guy like Kevin Colbert. What about him? Does he get another contract extension? They extend him another year, which I'm sure they probably will. I mean, it's not fair if you're not going to have a season. But these are all legitimate things I think need to be put on the table aside from the draft picks. I mean, one of the biggest things too that Mike Tomlin he did point out very uh, poignantly. Uh, going into the draft, as we look at all the stuff leading into it, Tomlin was saying that he was more concerned now about what happens after the draft. Because remember, the original offseason conditioning program, which usually starts the Monday after the draft, which would have been, in this case, April 27th, the rookie minicaps, OTAs, required minicap scheduled to June, it would be postponed or canceled. So, I mean, you're, you're actually taking a chance on missing live activity and how much is that going to be cancer or whatever. I mean, that, that that's very – walking some testy wires there. But then again, let me look at the choice that we got right now. No one ever said this was going to be easy when we found out how strong this disease got. But I do believe, too, that the Steelers – Calm, cool, and collectively, they do got a plan to try and fix their season. Kevin Colbert was even wise enough to point out to many people around him, I mean, one of the biggest uh, drafts they had all time in the history of the franchise, when we take a look at the Steelers and what they were able to do, I mean, it was 1974. I mean, 1974, you saw some awesome uh, picks. I mean, in that draft in here. I mean, 1974 uh, draft, 
I mean, when it's all said and done, that's real uh, nifty uh, people that came out of there. I mean, he had the drafting of a guy like in there, which is, I mean, his, I mean, this is under like guys like, like aside from Dan Rooney, you had uh, Dick Haley, Bill Nunn working together. I mean, in this draft, you had four Hall of Famers in there. You had your number one pick in Lynn Swan. Then you also had Jack Lambert, John Stallworth, and Mike Webster. So basically, you guys, they had three guys on offense. One lineman, two receivers, which I refer to as the twins at that point in time. And of course, Jack Lambert. The Steelers, I mean, have been trying to sh strike lightning in the bottle in such a way. Because I remember six years ago, I mean, in the draft where they had, I mean, of course, with their number one overall pick, where they have Ryan Shazier, right now who's pretty much retired in his career. And it doesn't look like he's ever going to resume playing his career. But, I mean, he was the number one overall pick in that. You also had the defensive uh, draft of guys like uh, who are still on the team right now, Stefan Tuitt and Daniel McCullers. I mean, a couple of disappointments in the draft. I mean, one of them was being Martavis Bryant, wide receiver, who they had a pretty uh, big, decent size, pretty big, uh, versatile, and tall guy target that they haven't had since Plexico Burris. I remember they also had a defense back in there, Shaquille Richardson, who could not stay healthy, found a way to get himself injured, would never make the team. But, I mean, that, that draft, I thought that was pretty excited about that year. I mean, in that draft, they had nine picks all the year total. I still think it was pretty decent. I mean, one thing that did help them do, it did get them back in the playoffs. And I, and I think a guy like Stefan Tuwe, he also was one of the key pieces, too, that helped reshape that defensive line. You saw what happened, too, when Brett Kiesel got hurt in that game later on that year against the New Orleans Saints. Had a torn tricep, I believe it was, and was never the same guy. Never uh, even came back to resume football in his career. So I, I felt at that at that draft, they reestablished some things. I definitely felt that was uh, definitely one of uh, Colbert's uh, decent drafts right there. But I would also beg to differ, too. Uh, aside from that, in recent memory, I mean, I mean, the draft in recent memory, they, they really knocked things out of the park. I mean, it's still too early to tell from last year's draft, but aside from that, 2017 – yeah, the brother of J.J. Watt and T.J. coming out. Uh, outside li outside linebacker from Wisconsin. Juju Smith-Schuster, who's still a little bit of a question mark right now. I mean, given the fact that he was playing alongside Antonio Brown as the wideout. Then, of course, James Conner. And uh, speaking of James Conner, when you look at the production versus him and Le'Veon Bell... Le'Veon Bell has had about almost 8,000 yards and scrimmage. 
with 42 touchdowns versus Connor, who's had over 2,300 yards in scrimmage with 20 touchdowns. Never had one 1,000-yard rushing season. The highest amount of games that he's ever started was in the second year, was back in 2018. So definitely got some decisions right now that the Steelers need to start thinking about. And we're going to get to the draft. Uh, I'm going to get to my mock draft here in just a second. But what do you guys feel right now? What is your pulse telling you right now? Do you feel like the Steelers will go ahead and get a running back with their first overall pick in the second round at number 49? Or do they just say, hey, you know what? This draft is looking good so far. We see another receiver we could use. Uh, we could uh, take and we still got some quality deaf guys in here with guys like uh, Benny Snell, Tremel, I mean, Trey Edmonds. What do you guys think? Do you think they'd be, they'd be willing to stay comfortable for right now and draft later in the draft, maybe, oh, I don't know, third, fourth round running back instead, as opposed to the second round? Or do they even trade up? That's another question right now. Do they even consider... Shoot, I mean, do, does even one of the guys like a James Conner or Juju Smith-Schuster, do they entertain trading any of those guys during the draft to get some uh, draft capital? Because they only got six picks total for this year. Again, they got a second-round pick, a third-round compensatory pick. So they only got one pick in the top 100. And then you also got two fourth-round picks, a sixth and a seventh round pick. So again, feel free to go on my uh, Twitter right now, or even just uh, look, search me up here on my Facebook page, which is the Man of Steel Podcast, which I am streaming live off on right now here, currently on the Man of Steel Podcast. Also, too, an interesting uh, story, too, I, I was mentioning. Terry Bradshaw, by the way, who was actually the number one uh, pick back in uh, 1970, who actually uh, got drafted by the Steelers. A real, real interesting story, too, by the way. And this was at a time where uh, both franchises were s struggling. Remember, don't forget, this was their first year in the AFC. They finally broke away from the NFL when they merged to even out the alignment of teams in the NFL. There was no more AFL versus NFL, I mean, which is one significant thing. But, I mean, in 1970, like I said, you, 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 saw, you saw the merge, merge of both leagues now pretty much working together. And we uh, look at it there. And all together, yeah, 13 leagues, I mean, 13 teams in both leagues. So remember, the Steelers was one of the franchises along with the Colts and the Browns that moved over, pretty much encouraged by Art Meldell to help uh, do what was right at that point in time. And uh, there we are. So... My, my, my only thing was, is this, I mean, that, that draft right there, both the Steelers and the Bears, they were both 
exactly 1 and 13 about the previous year. And obviously Chuck Noll had a lot of uh, spring cleaning to do with the team they had when he came over, took the reins, uh, coming over from uh, Don Shula's Baltimore Colts into the Steelers organization. So he definitely had vision, and a guy who had no nonsense add to, as Terry Bradshaw would say. But one of the biggest things, too, that uh, Terry Bradshaw was saying, he was saying he was getting ready to take a fishing trip that day. And he had recalled uh, working uh, with some Saints personnel uh, leading up to that point. And uh, as soon as he was getting ready, about, getting ready to go fishing on the day of the draft, his uh, father pretty much pulled him aside and just told him, hey, where are you going? And he just like said, so get ready to go fishing. He says, you know, like get yourself like fixed up and uh, clean. So out of respect for his dad, he put on like a nice little suit coat and tie, got himself all looking sharp. And one of the things he heard that they were in conversation that the Bears were, I mean, George House, that they were trying to trade for Terry Bradshaw. He also had the Steelers, one of them, that was looking to pursue him. So one of the things that he mentioned in there was that they had like a little bit of a coin toss flip to like uh, think about bringing a guy like Bradshaw. So one of the things I posted up today earlier, and this was pretty much huge. Do you guys feel like the Steelers would have anywhere near the level of success if they did not have Terry Bradshaw on that team? I mean, let's let's think about that and digest that for a moment. Steelers right there, I mean, a lot of people like Rocky Blair, Franco Harris would even acknowledge, I mean, for them to even, like, uh, pull up to the championship level of success, they needed Bradshaw. No doubt about it. I mean, Bradshaw meant everything, I mean, to them. I mean, of course, I mean, he didn't have the, the prettiest numbers of success early on in his career. It was a lot of growing pains under Bradshaw. I mean, they, they, it's just, it was just a lot of frust frustration going in when we when we think about where they were at and how they were trying to turn the corner here. I remember that too, in around uh, 1974, I think it was, or 72, See, as, as we uh, take a look at, I mean, because the, the, remember, Bradshaw, he didn't start most of that season, but you had a guy in uh, Joe Gilliam here, Joe Gilliam, who actually uh, played for the Steelers for four seasons, primarily as a backup. So, I mean, it was kind of like a little bit of like a quarterback, I mean, controversy in some way. But at the same time, Chuck Noll didn't really feel like Bradshaw was pulling his weight enough. You question him a lot. He says, like, why can't you, like, learn to be, like, Giant United to prepare? And he said, I would love to be, like, Giant United, but I can't necessarily be Giant United. Because overall in his career, his, his first couple years, he threw, like, uh, before they made the playoffs, his first two seasons, 19 touchdowns of 46 interceptions. He was slowly starting to turn the corner back around the mid-70s when they won their second Super Bowl back in 1975. I mean, of course, you had like about three years later after that, he has MVP year and where he threw 28 touchdowns versus 20 picks, 
finished off with a career overall, a 212 touchdowns and 210 interceptions. With three Pro Bowls, one MVP being the 1978 season. And of course, a lot of people always remember about that. I mean, a lot of stuff that eventually led. It was the year of the family. He also had, I mean, the, the city of Pittsburgh just uh, reeling together at that point in time. I mean, and uniting. You would see the Pirates go on to win their fifth and final World Series in 1979 against the Baltimore Orioles. So it had definitely a lot of many uh, touching things in that year. And a lot of positive vibe. It was just it was just a fun time for that city and for everything that was going on with the steel mills. And I believe there were some businesses uh, folding around that time. But still, I mean, that, that steady steel curtain. And when you think about it, Terry Bradshaw, who finished his uh, career overall, he only played 14 seasons. Well, 13 technically, full seasons, basically. You should really say 12, I mean, except with the exception of that strike year. But he still managed to finish off in his career 121 victories versus 56 losses and with five, 59 win percent. I mean, a lot of people yesterday, one of the biggest things that was on yesterday was the premiere of the Last Dance documentary with the Chicago Bulls. I tell you what, I know this is a whole different – I know this is a football versus basketball. It's comparing apples and oranges, but still, aside from that 90s Bulls team, no one could ever underestimate the Harvard champions at the and the legacy the 70 Steel Curtain Pittsburgh Steelers built up, going to eight straight playoff appearances in the time when they won their Super Bowls. I mean, during that time, they they made they made the playoffs eleven times and were able to win four. And you saw everything just come to fruition. So, as for the Bears, I mean, their fortunes, the Bears would have the most miserable losing of seasons. I'm not so sure how much of a guy like Terry Bradshaw and Walter Payton will have worked out eventually later in his career. That came, like, well later. I mean, about five years after he was drafted. But Bears had the abysmal. They were 32 games under 500 with 84 wins to 116 losses, only made the playoffs two times, and got bounced out of the first round in two seasons, back in 1977 and 1979. Steelers had an average offense under Chuck Nolan and Bradshaw. Despite everything that they had to endure with the growing pains, an average offense of 10, while the Bears had an average offense of 21. Say what you will about Bradshaw throwing some crucial turnovers in big moments in games like he did in his last playoff game against the Chargers, but at the same time, too, he also had the yelling shoulder. So, with all that being uh, said right now, let's get ready to say what I was getting ready to do this whole time. Let's get into our Pittsburgh Steelers 2020 mock draft here on the Mount Steel Podcast. Again, if you guys want to feel free and call in the number and text line to be reached, it is 312-209. 2232. Again, that number is 
2232. You can follow me on Twitter at ProjeRitchie, at MassDLCJR, at OnDeckCSR. Same goes for Instagram, with the exception for the MassDL podcast page. It's at MassDL Nation. And of course, my YouTube channel, MassDL Podcast. So this is who I got for all six of my picks. And I had to really uh, sit down uh, this past Friday, I believe it was. And here's why I uh, came up with. Their first pick at number second at uh, 49. I'm going to go with wide receiver in this draft. Wide receiver. And my uh, very uh, first uh, pick for the wide receiver, that, of course, will be Jalen Rager, who's a wide receiver out of Texas Christian. Has a combine grade of 6.39, RAF 4.47, 40 yard dash. Uh, his, his grading scale, he's uh, more than likely to become an instant starter in this league. He has a chance to become a starter. So that's uh, one good thing right there. So I'm just not so sure when I was looking at it as far as in this draft. Because, like I said, most of the good running backs, I mean, in this draft, I, I'm not so sure if they were going to be able to get right away. I, I just feel like with the depth they got, because let, let's face it, Juju Smith-Schuster didn't have the most productive of years this year, more without Ben Rosberg, and of course being hurt. But you really, I mean, this is his uh, contract year basically in a way. I have no idea if the Steelers are going to have any plans of tagging or trying to sign him to a long-term deal. Obviously, his uh, reception yards was sliced in half by about almost 900. And he had four less touchdowns than he did the previous year. And he only the highest ever yards he had scrimmage was back in the second year we have 1,439 yards with seven touchdowns. Well, the seven being receiving touchdowns. And I'm just not so sure. I mean, because one of the names I'm hearing a lot on here, too, is uh, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, uh, Big Ten. Uh, one of my uh, friends who I'm friends with online, Terrell Burns, I mean, that's one of the guys he's looking at, too. And I, I, could, I could see that. I mean, they definitely like going uh, Big Ten guys a lot of times in their draft. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, right here, who got a pretty nifty grade himself, uh, pr about 0.7 tenths uh, higher than Rieger. He's got a 6.46 combine grade as yards from scrimmage as a back was 6,581 yards with 55 touchdowns. So this guy is obviously a scoring machine. I'm just not so sure if – He's going to be able to still be available, or he's, drop, or he's going to be selected ahead. He's he's being predicted to be selected between the first and second round. So for my uh, next pick, I will go uh, the guy that would be just slightly beneath him. I will go with Zach Moss of Utah for your third-round compensatory pick. I mean, uh, for uh, this right here, I mean, he's got a decent combine grade, 6.45. So he's pretty much right there with Jonathan Taylor. Guy's also accumulated 
41 touchdowns from scrimmage, 4,752 yards scrimmage. I, I, like I said, I feel like it's 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 kind of a little bit because I mean when you look at a guy like like I said Mason Rudolph a few years ago who had I think like a first round grade. What ended up happening? They eventually ended up getting him with their third pick overall, and that was after James Washington. So I can see that happening again, where if they're going to look at someone from death, that that's just my gut and feeling. I think they're they're they don't mind being calm, cool, and collected. And then you got overall here too. And uh, round number four, 124th overall pick. I'm going to go with Anthony Jennings, outside linebacker out of Alabama. And the reason why I say that, the Steelers' uh, def outside linebacker could definitely use a little bit of help. And it's getting uh, quite dicey, to say the least, in my opinion. Because obviously you already got Bud Dupree uh, tagged right now. So, I mean, he ain't going anywhere. But, I mean, when you look at that outside linebacking position, I mean, you got Bud Dupree. I mean, and then you got Ola Adani, who's our skipper. Skipper's still a little bit of a question mark if you ask me. But then you also got TJ Watt at left outside linebacker. So, I mean, those are some huge gaping concerns right there. And I'm not saying the defense will find a way to figure things out. But, like I said, you got to prepare yourselves with your insurance policy protection. You want to make sure you're not being, you're not sleeping on anything here. I won't be surprised they got two linebackers in this draft, two outside linebackers, to tell you the truth. Or, or try and pick up someone like maybe by the end of the preseason. Tell what happens, if there's anything available going on. So, I mean, that, that's a position that needs to be fed because you also got questions still at your offensive linemen. And my next uh, pick after that in the fourth round, 135th overall, I'm going to go with nose tackle Jordan Elliott of Texas and Missouri. That'll be my next pick for them. Who's got a combine grade of 6.38. And by the way, Efren Jennings, 6.35. So still good signs to become instant starters, both of them. And then you also got here Antoine Brooks, safety, uh, Maryland, 6.29 combo grade. And then last but not least, Guard John Simpson out of Clemson. So if they're going to get a lineman, I'm going to predict they're going to probably go later in, in the draft. I'm predicting in the last round. I even tweeted this out to Bob uh, Pompiani uh, this past Saturday. He he liked it pretty much. Uh, pretty much called it a pretty much attractive uh, mock draft for uh, this weekend. And uh, there you have it. So that's my mock draft. So, again, just to recap, if any of you guys, uh, welcome to those of you uh, tuning in here on the Mastio Podcast. I'm going to go with uh, wide receiver with their second-round pick at 489. I'm going to go with Jalen Rager, uh, Texas Christian. Their compensatory pick in the third round, 102nd overall. I'm going to go with running back Zach Moss. 
And then your two fourth-round picks, I'm going to go defense on here. For your 124th and 135th picks, I'm going to go with Afrene Jennings, outside linebacker out of Alabama. Zach Moss is out of Utah State, by the way. And then nose tackle, Jordan Elliott out of Texas and Missouri. And then your last two picks for your sixth and your seventh-round picks, 198th and 232nd overall picks. For your sixth round, I'm going to go with Antoine Brooks, safety out of Maryland. And last but not least, least guard John Simpson of Clemson. And that, my friends, is what I got for this Sunday's mock drafts. Comments, questions, concerns about this. Again, if you guys want like a call for future uh, calls or texts, feel free going forward. It is 312-209-2232. Again, you can also check me out streaming live on my Facebook page, Master Podcast, and at Man Steel Nation. Now let's get ready to go into tra- fair or foul right now. Fair or foul topic number one, Steelers will trade up in the draft. Fair or foul? I'm going to say fair. I mean, obviously the draft capital is just a touch low this year. But again, if they do happen to find someone in value where they can probably get one of these guys, I mean, like a Jonathan Taylor or maybe – like a, a like a decent guard here. I doubt they're gonna go quarterback right now. I mean, I mean one of the predictions by Mel Kuyper Jr. he likes for the Steelers. He, he thinks it'd be won't be a bad idea to go in their best interest in a guy like Jalen Hurts, who played for Alabama and Oklahoma. I mean, I, I would still prefer and they could still trade for a guy maybe like on the cheap, like a Jameis Winston here, or even still Cam Newton. I mean, obviously they're going to both want to be starters, but, I mean, both of those guys are in positions where they need to rebuild, I mean, their image as far as, like, their performance. I mean, not image, like, personality-wise. I'm just saying as far as being, like, guys that can still put teams on their back, not losing games, but have find ways to win. And those are guys right there who definitely are looking for, like, second chances in their careers. Because, I mean, you just never know if Ben Roethlisberger is going to go down. Can you still be honestly feel comfortable with guys like Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges? I don't think anyone wants to go through that season again after seeing how significant it was losing their quarterback. Yeah, Mike Thomas did one of his best coaching jobs ever. But like I said, there's still a part of me, even when Ben Rosberg does come back healthy, you still cannot be costing your team's games by throwing in tight spots in the red zone. But I mean, a lot of people say that, well, he had a guy like Antonio Brown who he was trusting a lot more than anybody. Does that make a difference? Only time will tell on that. So I'm going to say fair on that. Like I said, it only depends on who's going to be available for them to while. See if they get after it, which may fall. So anything's possible at that point. So I'm going to leave that fair. And then last but not least, should the Steelers consider signing Juju Smith-Schuster by either tagging them or to a long-term deal? i probably say you tag them a- after the season. I think you play it out. He's got. I think he's still got to prove a little bit more with Ben. 
I mean, he's a guy who's pretty much uh, stepped up to the plate and said he could be that guy. And so far, we haven't seen it just yet. I mean, he's still productive out there on the field, but he has not been available a lot. And what they always say in life, the best ability is availability. Well, there are definitely some big things right there you have to man up and swallow. And I wouldn't be surprised, too, if they decide to hear an offer about James Conner. Like I said, James Conner, I think, is on his uh, last limbs here, his last chances with the Steelers. I'm not so sure if he's going to be that they're going to have that much patience with. Do you take the chance and right some wrongs when you lost a clear guy in Le'Veon Bell and you try and reshape that part? The thing is, I'm not so sure how much you're going to be able to get away with having a plan on sharing the ball with multiple backs in different situations. I think you definitely have to get into a grinder, someone that's going to demand a lot more and be able to help catch out in the backfield. Like I said, Le'Veon Bell at the end of the day brought in a lot of versatility for the Steelers, which is nothing they could ever deny. And that's going to do it here for this edition here of the Best Steel Podcast. I want to say thank you again. A big shout out to my guy Terrell Barnes. Uh, by the way, I liked your uh, post earlier this morning too, who shared a very interesting post this morning uh, surrounding the COVID 19 and the way the Super Bowl kind of helped. Uh, slow it down a little bit and basically the 49ers they will have won it more than likely they would have big parade in California probably been had a lot of people parading and celebrating that and when you have like so much like uh people like socializing contacting touching that kind of helped a lot of things weird but uh true in some ways so Again, I just want to say uh, thank you guys for everyone tuning in. Hope everyone is still finding a way to stay safe like we all are. And uh, let's have a good draft coming up this Thursday. I I mean, uh, this Friday, but we'll begin this Thursday. I'll try and have some reactions. I'll do a podcast following the end of the draft this Saturday. Once it's at its conclusion, I would say anywhere between 5 or 6 o'clock this Saturday. So make sure to tune in to hear a recap on my end. And like I said, as far as like with the Steelers too, just give me some more updates, what they were uh, doing. And uh, this being reported by uh, Teresa Varley was Colbert said that he, him, Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney's second Omar Khan had the Steelers draft room set up in their homes. So they will be able to see each and hear each other as if they were in their war room together. So that's going to do it. As I always leave you, don't be trolling, be rolling. Here we go, Steelers, here we go. I gone. <laughs>